0: Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of the Rerouted Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Maxime, and it is uh, the end of May here. Um, I'm sort of dialing in from New York City and really welcoming um, my friend from far away, Dr. Shelley Harrell. She is a clinical psychologist. She's done tons and tons of research on uh, everything around um, intergenerational trauma, stress and trauma, racial healing, spiritual work, contemplative work, and all the ways in which these things can intersect. She's a professor. She uh, is working on uh, her own personal practice. Uh, She has her own personal practice, as well as her website, uh, Soulfulness for Life, uh, where she offers a variety of uh, integrating these kinds of practices um, and all of her information and research to the world. So welcome so much, Shelley. So thank thank you. you for being here. Yes, absolutely. Glad to be here with you. Um, so, this podcast is called Rerooted, where we're unearthing our natural brilliance and we're uh, sort of connecting to the roots that we share. And um, I started it intentionally with um, a sound, uh, uh, a track that was um, from a friend of mine, uh, Christian McBride. And I really wanted to bring in. Um, that kind of music, that kind of creativity, as opposed to sort of more you know sort of ethereal uh, right right <laughs> right, right. And, and and all of what that means so where we where sh- where should we begin today? because the main thing that I'd like to kind of explore with you is how is, for example, multi um, generational racial trauma you know for 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 certain folks in this country. Uh, different a different experience in the collective and, and even individually as it is for um, folks who aren't embodied in that way
1: right right well let me let me first start just by uh you know i res- really resonated with what you said about music and one of the things that that i do in my work is integrate music just it's a central piece to me of healing right and and music touches the soul and spirit and and there's, there's, you know, it's beyond words, what how music can touch us is beyond words. And often these experiences of stress and trauma are beyond words. You know, I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist, I've been practicing for, you know, 30 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes the, the verbal, uh, the emphasis of just on verbal communication isn't enough to, to Uh, kind of contribute to what we need for healing. Um, And what you said about intergenerational uh, trauma, um, that's a collective trauma. When we think about slavery, genocide, uh, internment, um, you know, all of those forms of historical collective trauma, those live with us collectively. And I think one of the powerful things about music is People are communicating individual experience and collective experience that resonates that touches us, and so by connecting to music we're often connecting to something that is more universally um, spiritually uh sort of felt you know it is an interconnected um experience and and so yeah so just just what you started with um, music is central um uh, you know i I resonate uh, probably most strongly with with soul music, and part of the impetus for soulfulness came from um, my uh, just embeddedness in in music and dance and expression, um, which has been been with me my my whole life i I danced as um, a child i i co-founded a dance company in um, college and performed and choreographed. And, and so music and dance has just been really a piece of how I express my soul and how, you know, I, I connect to others' expression of their soul and spirit. So. uh, I'll often start uh, workshops with music. um, And, and talk, talk about what is being touched. Um, in the lyrics. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, I, um, I'll often play is uh, interestingly, people don't think about this as sort of a contemplative spiritual song, but is um, uh, I Got Soul uh, Super Bad by James Brown.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and, and people are like, ah, you know, that's not that ethereal, calming music, but it communicates something really important about contemplative practice. So, you know, the lyrics include like, I got something that makes me want to shout, right? Which is really about, I am connected to something deep within me that is compelled into expression. You know, he says, I got something that tells me what it's all about, right? I'm connected to a wisdom, an inner wisdom that, that, that kind of tells me what's, what's happening. Um, I got soul. You know, I have an inner aliveness that I can feel that's palpable and I'm super bad. I have innate worth and dignity, you know, so so these are all contemplative, spiritual kinds of of messages. And so for me, my introduction to kind of using contemplative processes for healing was through music and, you know, messages through through soul music. And, um, you know, so so, yes, music music is, is, is central.
0: Yeah, and I love that because, you know, all of the messaging in there with the lyrics are just as you said, you know, <laughs> I'm super bad. I mean, it just reminds me of like somebody who's walking down the street, you know, and they're like two, three, four, five years old and they're just like really proud of themselves. Like, you know, yeah, like I'm yeah. I'm here. I'm right, you know, I'm right. here and I'm alive and, and it's that sense of of vibrancy, aliveness and resilience that so many people once they experience trauma for whatever reason um is um is kind of shut down or yes we yes. somehow are, are we, become, we become sort of ashamed or something and and i was taking a course with dr joy DeGruy, and then yeah, to block yeah. camera earlier and she was mentioning how in the house that she grew up in even though they were working class um that they didn't have um a sense of um, shame or bad about being black, like that there was nothing, right. nothing there on that. And they were at some parade and her older sister was taking her to the, to the bathroom. And, and there was a bunch, bunch of men that drove by and yelled at them the N word. And mm-hmm. she um, was the first time she felt her, she felt somatically her sister's right. hand grip her yes. Uh, yes. harder uh, yes. as a, as a threat. And she said, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what that was about. But that was the first time I felt like there was something wrong, that there was something about me that, that took away that I'm super bad feeling to like now I'm feeling
1: bad. Yes, 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 yes. So, so for me, you know, the, the construct of soulfulness is really about connection, you know, fundamentally and how stress and trauma um, and all forms of stress and trauma, one of the biggest impacts they have is disconnection. You know, we become disconnected from ourselves, from our experiencing. We become disconnected from other people, right? We 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 shut down um, some of that capacity we have for connection. And so, soulfulness is really, um, at its essence, about um, kind of reclaiming our connectedness, right? And that that in 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 many ways, is is centered in. Uh, you know our internal experience, so when I think about that that you know super bad the 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 song you know it's all about reconnecting to inner experience. I have something in me that's compelled to express. I have something in me that tells me an inner wisdom that tells me, and so that that the impact of stress and trauma on connection I think is is among the most damaging of of how trauma um, you know, really, really has a long lasting impact, you know, if we're disconnected from ourselves, and, and I talk about disconnected from our souls, if we're alienated from our truth, our inner truth, our soul is that place that is the intersection between the human and the divine between, you know, kind of where, where God and the sacred lives in us. And uh, that that's that place that really, you know, kind of, incredibly deep place within us and wisdom lives there and our resources for healing live there and so when we become disconnected from our from our our soul from our soulfulness um, that that can be devastating Uh, there's a there's some writing uh, by Duran who's speaking in the context of historical trauma in the uh, Native American um, uh, context and and he speaks about this, this construct called soul wound, right? And, and how historical trauma, the genocide um, that, that is, is connected to the Native American peoples is, is, has a collective impact, not just on the individual soul, but the collective soul. Yeah. And when our souls are wounded, you know, it compromises our ability to be whole right, to be whole for our mind, body, spirit, heart, and connection with past, present, future, that ancestral connection that's so important. It, 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 it damages, a soul wound damages all of that interconnectedness. Yeah. And so healing begins in many ways with just beginning that journey towards wholeness. And, um, you know, I think the construct of, of, of soulfulness for me really, really speaks to that. The other person who who speaks about the soul wounding well, look, there's a lot of people who speak about mm-hmm. uh, related to soul wounding, but uh, someone that uh, has impacted me uh, quite a bit, her writing is Belle Hooks, and she's an African-American uh, feminist uh, writer, and she has talked about the construct of soul murder and the way that racism, mm-hmm. uh, you know it kills it can kill our connection to our emotion and our emotional experiencing and you know our ability to know what we're feeling right to to be connected to what we're feeling and emotion emotion is so important you know emotion is so important it is you know, evolutionarily what we need to know how to survive in the world. It's a cue. It's a communication that says, Ooh, you know, something's happening out there. And that's my cue of paying attention. Fundamentally, emotion tells us we have to pay attention. So these, these traumas that shut us off and wound and, and damage our soul, our emotion, our most kind of that deepest place, right? That, that impairs us in ways or can impair us in ways where it is really hard to function in the most optimal way. Now, you know, the other side of this coin, of course, is resilience and strength and, you know, the resources that are there that, you know, particular ways of of accessing our community, our ancestry, our, you know, culture, can strengthen those resources in the context of diverse of adversity and that's what resilience is all about really is is in the context of diversity being able to access resources that allow us to adapt and grow and thrive you know um and and and, so again i think about soulfulness as as deep connection deep connectedness and and part of of being able to live in a way that is both connected to ourselves and connecting with, with other, with other people. And it's fundamentally grounded in contemplative work and work that, that says, let me, let me take a, a visit with my inner life and see what's going on there and get to know my inner life. Yeah.
0: That's so beautiful is let me take a visit. Right.
1: Yeah. Let me go check this
0: out. Can I come in there with some curiosity and a little bit of friendliness right. and just sort of see what's here? That's right. That's and can right. I be with what's here? Yeah. Even yeah. It might be something that's a little bit surprising or challenging or different. Right.
1: right. Can, I, can, I, can I stay with what's here? You right. know, that idea of I, I just did a presentation um, here in LA at uh, Black Women's or, uh, uh, Health Expo. And um, talked about mental health issues, and you know, presented this notion of of knowing ourselves, kind of know yourself, check yourself, and care for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the check yourself piece includes kind of two parts. One is check on yourself. You know, check you know check in with yourself. And check yourself, too. You know, Ice Cube says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Wreck yourself. So- I just
0: said that. <laughs> I love that you said that. I, I said that to someone in a session, and they were just like, what?
1: What? <laughs> well, well, again, for me, music, there's so much wisdom in music, you know, from our shared lived experience. But, but the idea of checking on ourselves, we check on people we love all the time. We call them up. We text them. We, we check on people. We visit them. And, and we, we need to develop habits of checking on ourselves, you know, and, and checking in with ourselves and also checking ourselves when when what we see may not be congruent, you know, with how we really want to live. And unless we check on ourselves, we may not see those incongruences. We may not see that the ways that we're out of alignment with what our deepest values and our deepest, you know, kind of uh, uh, what matters most to us.
0: Yeah. And, and, and maybe I can ask you for an example of how you would guide someone to do this, because I was speaking with someone earlier and it was sort um, of this, this idea of um, trying to care for self in some way that was more obscure by perhaps doing a behavior or eating something or drinking something or, you know, engaging sort of more, in something that kind of looked like, well, you know, this is okay. I can do this for myself. But over the long term, cumulatively, wasn't not only solving the problem, although it's a fine coping mechanism for the moment, right? But also was kind of keeping that relationship of connection to self a bit at bay. And so how would you invite, and you can use any example, even in your own experience that you would have, how would you invite, if you can give me an example of what, what that might look like for someone who's kind of like not really quite um, maybe aware of or interested in or maybe just afraid of going
1: there yeah yeah well I think there's there's you know for me a a beginning piece is tuning into what's most important now what 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 where where what matters most what are the the deepest values, what, what is that kind of inner whisper of wisdom's kind of directing us? I think there we do have, if we're, if we're still enough and quiet enough to listen in, there is a voice that, that can whisper to us that says, this is what matters. And so the task, a couple of tasks is there. One is creating space in our lives creating space in our lives to be able to listen for that voice, to be able to listen for that whisper of our inner wisdom. And unfortunately, many of us, most of us, and I know I'm guilty of it. I am on automatic pilot. I have my day and I'm bam, bam, bam. And if I'm not really, really intentional about it, I'm not as tuned in as I need to be or want to be, desire to be. With that, and and so the first the first piece is helping people figure out what what opens that door for me. What opens that door to tune in to that inner place of soul wisdom um, for me. And we all have different ways that we enter that place, you know. Um, uh, it, and it really is a place of mindful awareness, of loving, compassionate attention to ourselves, right? Taking, you know, as as one of the, the, the people that I admire in that, in that realm, Tara Brach talks about taking the sacred pause. And I use that language a lot because I think it's so important that we take a sacred pause and it is sacred, right? To, to honor ourselves in that way, to pay attention. So that's kind of the first piece in working with someone is individualizing that, you know, what is what gets you there, you know. And I'll offer uh music as one path mm-hmm. for people that, you know, just intentionally, you know, kind of even constructing a playlist for yourself, right? Where where it's a series of of songs whether they be instrumental or with lyrics that bring you to your center that remind you of stuff you already know that connect you to something bigger than yourself that helps you feel both a sense of connection to yourself and interconnectedness with others with community with culture with that which is bigger than yourself with, with, with spirit you know? yeah and, and so for some people it may be music for other people it may be some sort of physical activity, right? Um, swimming, right? So for people who are water people, <laughs> right? yeah, the act of, of swimming, there's, you know, uh, a, a, a dropping into experience that can occur with movement as well, right? Often we think about stillness as what we need to, to connect to ourselves. But for many people, move, for me, dance did that. You know? yeah. um, uh, movement can help connect. So it's gonna look differently for different people. And I think what's critical is that particularly in a in a in the context of diversity and culture, not everyone is gonna sit on a cushion and watch their breath. You know? right. <laughs> um, and 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 I am I am I am very um, uh, I, I very much resonate and uh, with mindfulness and have have a modified mindfulness practice myself. Sure. You know, in a, in a more broader definition, I think what what I do personally in my own practice is mindfulness. Yeah. Right. But it's it may not look like you know I sit I you know sitting on a cushion and following my breath. That becomes part of it. So so for me, we want to embrace. All cultures have a way. Some some technology, some methodology for turning within, right? yeah. for 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 paying attention to inner experience. You know, various rituals and ways of of maybe you know being in nature, and and connecting with nature, going on treks of some sort. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that you know that we have uh, around the world. Um, so, so we need to incorporate into our, our notions of, of mindfulness, which is, is a core process. It just may look differently in different, in different cultural contexts. So, so that's the piece is how do we help people take that sacred pause? Yeah. What's going to get them to that connectedness with their inner experience? And that, again, is the first step.
0: Yeah, I really, really love that. Thank you. Um, that sacred pause and then that it's what's right for you. Yes. Right. And 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 um and I really think that there is a bit of a disconnect. Like I think so many people think Well, mindfulness means you sit on a cushion and watch your breath. Well, it could be that. It's not (laughs) going to be that, right? It could be that. And that might work for you. It might not. And and I always sort of look at, because Tara is also one of my teachers, um, actually, um, to sort of say, like, she's like, well, what's the intention behind it? And then the mindfulness is, well, are we running away from something or are we moving towards something um, with greed or aversion or are we zoning out and ignoring it, meaning that... Is the reason why I'm sitting on the cushion because it's actually effective for me and it helps me cultivate a sense of presence within myself and connection? Or is it because I am trying to check out? Yeah, yes. What's the deeper intention? Like, I don't want to engage with the world. In which case, that's an aversive energy that requires a certain amount of um, insight or investigation, to use the terms or practice. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And then your remedy might be more of engagement. Right? Like for that person, you know, right, it might be more of a connected thing. So I just think that we have to be mindful of our own um, constitution, our own conditioning, our own practicing, our own neural developmental pathways, and the ways in which we have each come to be as individuals to find that way and that portal through.
1: I think the other piece that's important in what you said is recognizing kind of our truth and I use the word truth a lot. And, you know, we can think about it as, as, you know, the authentic voice, Um, but particularly for people who are members of, of historically oppressed and currently oppressed groups that this, this, this process of internalizing oppression can be really subtle. You know the ways that we internalize messages as people of color or LGBTQ community members there's ways we internalize messages that are externally imposed about who we should be and what's acceptable and how what kind of thinking or behaviors are acceptable and and you know we can internalize those so deeply that it, there's a disconnection with what feels most authentic to us. Right. And, 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 you know, there's layers to internalized oppression. I mean, I think we were speaking when I kind of referenced the Jane Brown, James Brown song about, you know, an internalized sense of worth and dignity, human worth and dignity, regardless of circumstance, you know? Right. Um, and, and, you know, that, that for, for, for members of historically and currently oppressed groups, Societal messages are not always about our worth and dignity, right? Those societal messages can can be quite dehumanizing, and treatment, you know, interactions can be quite dehumanizing and quite, uh, uh, you know, pathologizing, and you know, seeing our difference as deviance, right? Seeing our difference as deviance, and so we have to be part of the importance to me of this contemplative work for people of color and other historically and currently oppressed groups is, is, is being able to discern, you know, kind of what's, what's truth in, in me, you know, that comes from me, and what, what have I kind of taken on that others have um, uh, kind of constructed of who I am and who I should be and what's okay for me to be. So so getting kind of connecting that back to this, this idea of mindfulness and and meditation and contemplative practice, which again, I think is the central technology that we need for healing. But it, it, it's important to, to think to, to understand that it it can look differently for different people. And to the extent that sometimes we do shoulds, right? We should ourselves a lot. Right. Well, I should be able to sit on a cushion and watch my breath. Right. And, and where does that message come from? And again, you know, I think we all do that, regardless of race, ethnicity, <laughs> or, or other, you know, the, those, those things we, we do in our minds that, that uh, distance us from our, from our authentic experience and mindfulness and contemplative practice gives us the opportunity to do that. But again, I think particularly for people. From historically and currently oppressed groups, that we have to investigate. You know, I think, I, I you know, the rain. We can think about you know, Tarbox rain process. I think is a wonderful recognize, process allow, that we can really,
0: investigate. Right,
1: yeah. right, right, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. Um, but the investigation, what's really there for me? What's really going on for me in my body? emotionally what what beliefs do i have that are contributing to what's going on for me in my body and what's going on for me emotionally how am i carrying that into how i live and and so part of the investigation it's the same process mindfulness using you know skillful means like rain you know in in our practices but it we might want to Want to expand those in very specific ways to be inclusive inclusive of the experiences of people of color LGBTq other historically and, and currently oppressed groups
0: and just to bookmark that and for a moment to just say you know and I know just as of course i 'm sure your orientation also is the reason why often is adaptive survival like there 's a reason Absolutely. why we 've done these things it 's not because it 's it's, it's because you know we 've had to sort of um, you know, MacGyver the situation. I love it. I love it. I and love then, it. Yes. And then yes. at a certain point, we realize. Well, wait a minute. Now I'm MacGyvering stuff that wasn't broke, or I'm MacGyvering stuff that wasn't. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. what's up with that? And yeah. then you're like, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit of truth to what this person said, but I'm not owning more of it than I have to. And I'll use a, an example. A friend of mine you know, as I'm mentioning to you for 20 years, I was on television as a television news anchor in local and national markets. And, um, as a woman of mixed ethnicity, um, you know, there are a lot of issues that would come up in terms of how we would present, how we would appear, what size is appropriate, the ways in which hair needs to be done, the ways in which gesticulations may or may not even be appropriate, quote unquote, as by the powers that be in the talent holders. And one of my, um, friends who's a, a news anchor now for a major, um, network, um, told me, she's African-American, she told me, um, and she has to wear wigs so that her hair is consistent, and I wore wigs for a time also because it has to be consistent that's in the contract, Mm -hmm. Um, that her the person told her that her nostrils were too big. Now, now when you hear that from someone who is in a power that be, that is someone like, well, why would you even say that? Um, Why would you even... Share that? Why would you even have that be of your opinion? You're in this, and for a certain aesthetic Mm -hmm. to be frank about saying, Well, they're larger than they would be in this particular ethnicity or this particular whatever, typically, to say that they are too big is saying what? That there's something wrong with the way that they are, that there's something wrong with the way you are, that there's something wrong with you. Yeah, right yeah
1: yeah. And, yeah yeah go no 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 that those the you know i i use the phrase you know um, difference is not deviance but you know so so much of what is communicated around you know conditions that must be met for us to be acceptable or approved of or to uh, be included you know acceptance approval inclusion can can be very conditional Right. So you're okay if, you know, you do your hair a certain way or you speak a certain way. And 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 part of internalized oppression is the ways in which we really take take those to be truth. You know, Mm -hmm. right. Yes. um, The only way that I am acceptable is if I, you know, put, you know, green contact lenses in and have light eyes or dye my hair blonde or, you know, some some something that approximates um, dominant culture of, uh, and, and how dominant culture expresses itself. So what, you know, we think of those things, well, that's normal, but it's not normal, right? It is, it is you know, a reference point that is often centered as being superior or more valued you know standards of beauty i think is what kind of what you're referring to so standards of beauty are are often based on sort of a european descended uh you know look (laughs) and things that you know peoples who depart from that um are are sometimes internalized that I need to look a certain way in order to be attractive. There's so many insidious ways that these messages get internalized. And I think part, again, of the value of contemplative practice for historically and and currently oppressed groups is liberation, right? Liberation from how we have, you know, from, from, uh, uh, you know, what we, we have accepted in our, in our hearts and our minds that is outside of us. Again, another song reference, you know, Bob Marley in Redemption song, emancipate yourselves from mental slavery, none but yourselves can free your minds, right? So he's talking about freedom from kind of the, the, the things that we believe, the thoughts that we believe, and we all know, you know, you can't believe everything you think, right? We, right. we can't. Believe everything we think generally, but more specifically tied to this issue of what do we internalize um, uh, that that is imposed based on dominant narratives about what is beautiful, what is okay, what is acceptable, what's desirable, how should we speak, what should we speak about, what's, what's too loud, what's too much gest- gesticulation, or whatever the case may be. And that, that's powerful stuff that we have to unpack and investigate and, and really see what are we carry to know what's in our, in our mar- minds and our hearts.
0: And even to that point, I know that um, a lot of times, you know, different communities have a different sense of time, for example. And so, you know, um, if you're <laughs> color, right, it's just a different sense of time. It doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong or one, but generally speaking, oftentimes different communities have a different sense of time. And what may be seen as not being punctual in a, um, I don't know what I would even call it, a white, you know, community or something yeah. Yeah, white, yeah. you know, privileged, white dominant culture, community, whatever it is, um, not being punctual, you know, might just be, well, we're, we're, we're getting to know one another. We yeah. are putting emphasis on the relationship. We yeah. are yeah. not just um, delaying the meeting or whatever it is, but we are right. connecting right here, right now. The meeting has happened. It is yeah. happening. This yeah. is the meeting. This is yeah. part of the meeting.
1: Yeah, it's I have I have a I have a story related to that. Um, you know, back in the the eighties and nineties, I did a lot more sort of diversity and anti-racism training. And um, one of my one of my partners was uh, a dear friend, white man, um, by the name of of Jeff Ring. And I I name him because because I you know he he and I did a lot of amazing work together. And um, uh, you know, one of the things that when we first started working together, Jeff was, you know, wanting to divide our presentations into small time units, like from 8.05 to 8.10, we'll do this. From 8.10 to 8.30, we'll do this. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That's not organic. You know, we have to be able to be responsive you know kind of to what is there and have some flexibility and he says but then we'll you know potentially go over time and you know we would have this dialogue and we we had some amazing conversations of just understanding each other's kind of cultural frame of reference Um, and I think really came to a point rather than pathologizing to appreciate that and sometimes we would even talk about that in some of the kind of cultural competence, diversity, anti-racism work we were doing to kind of model for people, you know, that we don't have to polarize these ways of being in the world, that we can coexist with our differences. And I think so, so much of what we do is evaluate, you know, kind of the judging mind, the evaluating mind, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, rather than what to bear. You know, and part of the question of mindfulness and, and contemplative processes is what's there. Yeah. You know, let's just yeah. understand what's there. And I think, you know, the work that Jeff and I did, we, we both, you know, looked at what's there for us, but also a real sincere attempt to understand what's there for you. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's there that, that brings this kind of comfort zone <laughs> present for you. Right. Right. Um, you know, yeah. so that 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 coexistence of seeming opposites you know is so important to be able to hold things that may seem so different to be able to hold them simultaneously
0: right there were not you know i say this to clients all the time it's not an either or it's not a yes. good bad no, it's you. not a black That's white it. it's a both the under yes, it it's it. a I'm, I'm in yes. an indigenous trauma training um, where they um, talk about um, and 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 um, use the land as a resource, use you know the, the the animals as resources. It's not just that we have to resource ourselves and, set, and the ancestors as resources. absolutely and and that all of this and and that a lot of what um, and you know sort of a soft pivot to um, maybe working with communities um, that really are not in a position where they can receive sort of individualized uh, therapy or go on retreats or, you know, do this kind of um, more, um, I dare say, not erudite spiritual exploration, but a little bit more, you know, sort of refined or, I don't even know. thats no, Those aren't the right words. But, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. You know, the, the idea of, they just don't have access. They're literally going from couch to couch. They're trying to find a place to live. They may not be eating. They may be in a shelter and that, you know, these young folks, these young men and women of color, um, perhaps in the inner city, and just really um, the inheritors of legacies of um, oppression, currently living this reality, um, trying to find ways of connecting with what might be helpful there, because they're not listening to James Brown about Marley, it's rap music and things like that, yeah. that, that I'm not so sure are nourishing in the ways that you're talking about, although it could be, some of yes. them may be. Yeah. um and and so how would you maybe work
1: or do you have any suggestions with with that kind of population absolutely so 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 i mean so many things are going to come yeah. to mind uh, but just thinking again going back to music because that's so central uh sometimes we we focus in you know sort of contemporary rap hip hop Music on on the lyrics and the lyrics can be very problematic. I'm not at, at all, you know, <laughs> saying we need to be okay with some of these lyrics. But here's, here's, here's two parts of that. Music is also about connection to to kind of rhythm, and about bringing ourselves, kind of gathering ourselves into a focus. And I know you know um, uh, athletes. Uh, for example, will sometimes listen to music before, you know, they, they go on the court. I always see
0: Serena with her Beats by Dre headphones on right? Off right, a right.
1: And, you know, my guess is they're not listening to some, you know, kind of ambient, spiritual, <laughs> you know, yeah. binaural beats or whatever, yeah. you know. And they're, 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 there's often a sense of a rhythm and a beat that's going on. And that's centering as well. And so, you know, again, creating an openness to how do people center, how do people bring themselves into themselves, right? Now, you know, we can talk about about lyrics and lyrics, you know, even when we are not, uh, or when I have problems, I have two adult sons in their early 20s, right? (laughs) Um, And I remember growing up, you know, kind of. Uh, You know, saying, let's listen, let's really listen to that music. And one of the things that we would do is deconstruct music videos, right? So that I wanted them to, I I always thought, you know, it's not going to do any good to say, don't watch that, you know, but I wanted them to watch it consciously. Yeah. Right, to watch it with awareness, so you know. Well, what are what's what? If we unpack this, what's going on? What are the ingredients? What's happening? What's entering your mind? You know, for you to be aware of what's coming in. You know, and there's always a formula. You know, there's there's women without too many clothes on, money being thrown in the air, car. You know, there's there's the same things happen. You know, um, in 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 many of these videos, but but bringing consciousness to it is important. So i don 't want to throw out what, what young people do as being somehow well that's inconsistent with contemplative practice no it's, it's the manner in which we relate to these things and also there's a you know we also want to hear people 's truth and we want people to listen to their own truth and sometimes it's not pleasant or pretty or nice, and we 've all you know i think have, would benefit from being able to kind of open our window of tolerance for things that are not in our comfort zone. Right. And, and that piece is important too, to honor someone else's truth. Now, again, I am not, you know, the misogynistic kind of (laughs) orientation of not, that's not a good place for me. Right. (laughs) But at, at a deeper level, if we're thinking about understanding the lived experience of you know, diverse groups of people and not trying to make people like you know be like a particular you know image or way of being, you know I, I'm, a, I'm also a professor and I teach doctoral students um, who are becoming psychotherapists and you know, the goal when I supervise people and the cases that they're seeing is not for them to become like me, right? It's for them to find their own voice as a therapist in the room with their clients. And I think it's really important that we, we, you know, kind of create spaces for people to connect with kind of who, who they are and what that potentiality is within mm-hmm. um, to to. to Kind of blossom and thrive in the world. And, you know, meditative processes, mindfulness, contemplative practices are all, I think, so necessary um, for that. And for me, the soulfulness kind of frame on this is just saying let's expand those centuries ancient practices that we know are effective that show up in cultures around the world. Let's expand how we're able to deliver those in ways that can help people and that meet people where they are and that honor, you know, difference and diversity and expression, because ultimately we want things to work. We want to help and participate in healing. And if we try to impose our own stuff, whatever that looks like, it's, it's not, it's just not.
0: It's a different- That's way. what
1: trauma is on, on, a, on a real basic level, is a threat to the integrity of our existence. You know, well, Trauma it, is a threat to life, to safety, to, to livelihood, to all of those things. And racial trauma is a threat to life and safety and livelihood that is, that is connected to racial oppression and power asymmetries that dehumanize and intimidate and harm and hurt. And bringing those two things together, understanding trauma in the context of race, ethnicity, culture, is important. That's, you know, so we don't get to genocide and enslavement and, and internment you know, as, as a collective expression of, of that.
0: Right, and, and I know our time is closing, and just to... Oh, to, to yes,
1: it is. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> but just on that one note, if you could, when people are still under threat, though, when they are still um, in um, a community where there is violence, when they are um, not able to um, sort of look at it from the perspective of, I made it through. Yes, our ancestors made it through, and I'm here, and that means that we as a people are making it through. So there is that, right, to to definitely rest in and check in with about and notice and and appreciate and own. But what about when um, I don't know where I'm going to sleep at night or if I have a place that I need to go tonight, um, I don't know if I'll be safe there, but it's the only place I have. How do we reconcile with communities of color, especially or anyone who's still in that kind of a threat with also trying to be aware of the fact that there are these other ways of, of healing
1: i you know i i think that these are not mutually exclusive yeah. at all you know one of the 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 um uh, uh places that uh, some of my doctoral students have have uh done their practicum settings is a a um, shelter for people who are homeless in um, skid row in los angeles mm. um and so um, one of one of the students several years ago did her dissertation on you know kind of resources for well-being yeah. among men among men experiencing homelessness and most of these men were men of color predominantly African American and Latinx um, men in in Los Angeles and you know one of the I think real values of her dissertation was you know not pathologizing that because someone is homeless or experiencing homelessness, that they don't have access to inner resources, right? That, you know, I I, I sometimes take exception with Maslow's hierarchy a little bit Mm -hmm. because I I think that, you know, people can have basic needs threatened and still engage in processes towards Mm self-actualization and And some of the most kind of um, amazing transformations of people have occurred in conditions of of deprivation and trauma. I think of nelson Mandela i mean we we could go through you know yeah. a list of of people so so um I, I i don't i don't i don't i don't like to bifurcate those sure things, right i don't like to bifurcate those things because um you know, people have amazing capacity to connect with inner resources. Um, and, and sometimes it's a matter of, of reminding people of what they may be already doing, right? And I think when we're under sort of immediate, ongoing threat, there's more kind of intercepting, um, more blockages, more obstacles yes. that we have to be aware of that are there And that you know, there, underneath them, beneath all of that, is still uh, you know those inner resources that can be accessed. You know that wisdom, that connectedness to culture, to ancestors, that connectedness to our own you know kind of worth and dignity and humanity. And you know, people have an amazing capacity to find that part of themselves. And I am not at all saying that we that that these circumstances of threat and trauma are acceptable yeah but in many ways you know there's this there's this um we can't separate inner transformation and outer transformation right so so uh you know um the there's a quote by stephen biko south african activist um you know the the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed right so So oppression, uh, you know, relies to some extent on those who are oppressed to be separated from an awareness of of their own kind of thoughts and feelings and, and processes. And so part of liberation, both internally and externally, involves kind of reconnecting to those inner resources so that we can see clearly what is happening externally and participate in its transformation i talk about you know the the branches of three main branches of of transformation are awareness allies and action contemplative processes Mm -hmm. communal processes and empowerment processes and all of those are needed you know to 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 grow we need to work with Contemplative processes on awareness. We need to work on communal processes, connectedness, and allies. And that has to take some form in action, right? Empowerment processes. So awareness, allies, and action, and those are interconnected processes. Um, so, so to your point, you know, for action to happen, for transformative change to happen at a social justice, you know, kind of in the world. The allies and awareness piece, the contemplative and communal processes also need to happen. And, and you know, all of, all of these are interconnected. So for that transformative change, we need to help people connect to their inner life, to their inner world, to, to their soul. Yeah, beautiful. I really
0: appreciate that, and and, and that Steve Biko quote reminds me of um, something that I don't know who said it or if I said it. Um, <laughs> that we that we've come up with this sort of thing where you know we moved to, in this country. We've seen I think a lot that you know of moving from being engaged citizens to being consumers. That that was sort of what we were programmed with um, in this sort of society, and that we've moved from a place that was relational um, and connected to a place that's transactional. And and that those aren't really, you know, sustainable in terms of our well being collectively or individually. And so being able to kind of, you know, root back to yep. as we close the podcast, root back to get rerooted with yes. which yes. is already yes. here within yes. us and between us and among us and beyond yes. us. And yes. seven generations yes. or twenty or millions back and forward. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. that, that that that's really something that Um, we can look at on multiple levels. And the final piece about this I'll say is that um, I always said that good trauma work um, alleviates um, the pain that's here now. Good policy work prevents the trauma from continuing. Absolutely. You know, so working on these other levels. Dr. Shelley Harrell, uh, your website, ShelleyHarrellPhD.com really offering a beautiful array of all kinds of um, healing resources and uh, so enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything else that you would like to add here today for listeners and viewers before we go?
1: Uh, No, just, just uh, glad to be here and glad to, to connect with you and your listeners and thank you.
0: Thank you so much and take good care. You too.